Welcome to episode five of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or camera since the mid-1980s. I've interviewed thousands of people from athletes to zookeepers and everybody in between. But now it's my turn to talk to the people I want to talk to, ask the questions I want to ask. My guest for this episode is Dr. Amy Beard, a functional medicine physician who has a background in dietetics. She has so much knowledge knowledge about nutrition and health. You'll get to meet her right after this. I got to tell you, these are some crazy times, aren't they? Things like elections, social media. This, these are the things on our minds. But if you're buying or selling a house, I want one name on your mind. It's the name Brandy Harp. She's a real estate agent and broker in central Arkansas. And this is for my central Arkansas friends who are listening. Shout out to Brandy. Brandy's helping some friends of mine right now sell their home. In fact, they sold the home and they had it listed with somebody else. Brandy got it done. Brandy does things that only a boutique real estate agent delivers. That means she might have the floor guy out at your house if you need someone to talk to you about your floors. She might have uh, the moving company truck at your house if you need a moving company truck. It's all the things that a boutique realtor does. Brandy Harp wrote the book, people. Go to my website for more information. If you get a minute, Check her out at John Underhill Real Estate, Brandy Harp. Indulge me just a moment. But if we were voting this political season, this November, for best home builder, remodeler, I got your guy, Richard Harp with Richard Harp Homes. See what I did there with the whole segue thing (laughs) this time of year? But it's true. Richard Harp with Richard Harp Homes wins those awards. It's not on the ballot you'll see at the ballot box, but in other ways, people vote, don't they? When you pay for things, when you invest in something, when you refer somebody, you're voting for him. So Richard wins hands down. He does beautiful work in central Arkansas. He is known as the guy when it comes to maybe a kitchen remodel or a new build. You know, even with these historically low rates, we know a lot of people are buying and selling homes, but what they're also doing is then remodeling the home because sometimes the inventory is low, as Brandy Harp has told me. And so sometimes people are getting the house. It's not their perfect house, but Richard Harp can make it your perfect home. Go to lisafishersaid.com, click on the banner ad for Richard Harp Homes. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Lisa. And you and your husband also have your own YouTube channel and podcast. Um, we do. And you talk about all things health. Tell me about that just a little bit. Uh, well, uh, we titled it, uh, titled it Self-Care is the New Health Care because uh, you need to be your um, own very best health advocate. And, um, you know, many of uh, the health issues we face today are due to what we're doing um, in our, you know, in our own lifestyle. Our lifestyle choices are a big, big part of our of our health and um, I have found now after being a functional medicine physician for quite some time that um, when we start making better lifestyle choices our health improves drastically and so um, that's the message that we're really trying to we're just trying to empower people to you know take charge of their health because it that's really where true health is going to come from it is is from you 
Right. And not from a pill that you take, which brings me to, let's talk about, so you were, you're a dietitian, right? By your first degree was in dietetics, correct? Correct. And then you, we thought, well, that's not hard enough. I'm just going to go to medical school (laughs) because I'm so smart. So you went to medical school and then you embarked on this type of medicine that I love, functional medicine. Kind of let's talk about the meat of functional medicine. So, uh, yeah, the meat of it really is um, uncovering and addressing the root causes of your health issues um, instead of treating the symptoms with, you know, a magic pill or magic supplement. Um, and we're looking, we're delving into things like diet, gut health, stress sleep, exercise, hydration, you know, toxin exposures, looking at all of these things as causes and mediators of health, health issues. And um, I have been doing this for a while now, and I can tell you hands down, it's what helped me overcome my chronic health issues. And I've seen it just really work so well in my patients' lives at helping them overcome their chronic issues too. And one of your chronic issues was a serious diagnosis with the gut. Was yours Crohn's or colitis? Mine was actually, they, they, they never put a name to it. I got all kinds of other names, but at one time I thought I had MS. They thought oh I had multiple gosh. sclerosis. Yeah. And you know, it was, um, there was my whole life has just been a series of, you know, one diagnosis after another. And, um, and they were all related, you know, somehow. And, um, once I started incorporating the principles of a functional medicine approach, that's when I started getting better. So you don't have MS? No, that's just a name that they give to, you know, um, a collection of symptoms and it varies from person to person as with most diagnoses. It's just a name. Is that what we say about fibromyalgia too? That's just a name. And the, um, the causes and mediators of each person's fibromyalgia is going to be different. So it's just a handful of pills. See if this makes you see if this can keep you quiet. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because we're, we're the, the treatment we're giving everybody is the same yet the causes for the condition are very different among different people. Well, did you get your detective eyeball out and find out what caused this so-called air quotes MS you had? Yes, it was, um, you know, it was a chance meeting with a, a functional medicine physician from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Dr. Betty Bischoff. Um, I, I just started talking to her one day. She mentioned functional medicine. She, it was very intriguing because she was talking about the GI microbiome and glutathione and things that I was like, okay, what are you talking about? These, I did not hear this in medical school or in residency. And so she, she gave me you know, the resources and, and directed me to the Institute um, for functional medicine, I began taking their courses, and I was hooked from the get-go because I was hearing all of the things that you know. Um, th- I was getting a lot of answers. Um, at first, I didn't realize they were the answers until I started incorporating those types of approaches in my own practice and seeing them work. So, for me personally, it was 
cleaning up my diet, um, trying to, I discovered that I had food sensitivities to wheat, whey, and uh, eggs. That Can was it a, make you feel that bad that you have MS? Um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I struggled. The last, um, you know, before I, you know, began this journey about six years ago, um, my health was, was horrible. I had most of my colon removed. That was the big one. You know, um, we don't know what's wrong with it, but we're going to remove it. Oh, Amy, my God. And you're already a physician at that time. Oh, yes, my I, word. Well, I was in residency when I had most of my colon removed. I was so, so ill. Um, constipation was horrible. And I'd been dealing with it for so long. I just could not imagine a life, you know, continuing like that. So I agreed to have, have it removed. And um, the, the, the physicians, the surgeon said it was one of the weirdest uh, colons he had ever seen. And it did not surprise me. I knew I had issues, but I often wonder, you know, had, had, had I taken steps, you know, years before then, could I still have my colon? But, you know, it was, the damage had been done all those years of, you know, a poor diet, um, consuming foods that just did not agree with me genetically, um, stress, diet coke addictions, <laughs> you know, you name it, I was doing it wrong. Well, what are some of the tenets then of a poor diet? We 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 know sodas, and we definitely know. I'd rather someone drink a soda than a diet soda, but whatever. So, but what are some other things that people are doing every day that's damaging their gut, which then in turn affects their health? You know, the biggest things I see are just um, people are consuming way too many processed foods. These foods often have additives, preservatives, you know, artificial uh, food dyes, artificial sweeteners, devoid of nutrition, you know, uh, nutrients and fiber and things like that. Um, it's just it's poison to a lot of people. And um, we're consuming way too much sugar way too much sugar, simple carbs. And we're thinking in terms of calories and not the quality of our food. Everybody wants to get hung up on, on, uh, you know, calories or fat or stuff like that. It's the quality that matters. Um, and I don't exclude any foods in particular. I just want them to be high quality foods when you consume them. Does this keep you then from, is there ever a time that you think I got to have a Snickers or I got to have a something? <laughs> well, I'm human, of course. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And um, we know that there's going to be times when you have celebrations and get togethers and there's going to be things that you probably shouldn't eat, but it's okay to indulge a little bit, do it, get over it, but just don't make it a daily thing. It's not your birthday every day is what you're saying. Exactly. Now, so you were going through the list. I wrote down diet, so putting in your mouth. But let's talk about let's talk about restoring gut health and then preserving gut health. How is that done? So you know, this is this is you know, we have created a program, and I'm not here to plug my program here on your podcast, but it's just it's a great way to explain how to do oh, this. I absolutely agree. But it's called you know, it's called the Total Gut Job, and it's all about. Um, we, we remove the most common foods that cause problems for people. And that is wheat, eggs, dairy, soy, corn, uh, legumes to some extent, depends on how you prepare them, and nuts. We remove those from the diet and we bombard the body with all of um, whole foods, nutrient-dense foods, 
for about 30 days. And we're also making sure you're getting plenty of omega-3 fatty acids and things like L-glutamine that we know help restore gut health. You know, pro probiotics, we're seeding the gut with the good bacteria when while removing things that could be very, very offensive to your GI tract and that microbiome that inhabits your colon and some of your small intestine. So we're really focusing on, you know, healing the gut lining and getting rid of inflammation in the GI tract through diet um, and other things as well that impact your GI tract. We can talk about that later. And then, you know, when we remove those foods, at the end of 30 days, we start reintroducing the, the, those foods back into your diet to see if you have a problem with them. And we do this in a very strategic way. But it's important to note that you can have a food, sen food sensitivity or intolerance to any food. We, we cover the most common ones. Um, and then and we can even get even more um, detailed depending on what your specific you know, issues is if you have, you know, Hashimoto's or Graves or some type of other autoimmune condition, we can factor in some other foods as well. Um, so that, we, you know, when you're reintroducing these foods back into your diet, we allow about three days, you know, before you start introducing a different one, because sometimes it can take, you know, 72 hours before you feel the effects of a certain food that just did not mesh well with you. I, I, I heard of, fun, in fact, that I found this person, there's a functional medicine cardiologist in Paradise Valley, which is the Scottsdale area. Mm -hmm. And he was on Wellness Mama on her podcast recently, which I didn't know the cardiologist would ever take a functional medicine approach. And he said, there aren't many of them in the country, but he said one way he measures or he tells his patients to measure food sensitivity is he said, you know, that after you've eaten it, if your heart starts to race and there have been many times if I have sugar and it's probably sugar with gluten, mm -hmm. that all of a sudden I have that thing of, oh my gosh, just this rush of my heart racing. But I'm not going to say that out loud because I don't want gluten and sugar to th don't think I love them because <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I'm sorry that it's so, it makes me so sensitive, but do you feel like, is that an actual reaction to you that can be that that can be one absolutely and that's usually um through the um through the function of histamine when there's inflammation um in the gi tract histamine is produced histamine is a neurotransmitter but it's also one of those um substances produced by mast cells when you have you know allergic reactions it causes uh, your heart to elevate yeah. sometimes you get nauseous headaches yeah and uh, sweating even and things like that yeah. so that that's one reaction that people have. Others will experience um, joint pain and, and headaches and fatigue and and uh, increased urination. It, it kind of, um, it's, it can vary from one person to the next. So once you recognized a food, you had a food sensitivity, does that food then start destroying your GI tract? It can if you keep eating it. And that's probably okay. what happened to mine. You know, I grew up, I was, I loved bread. I loved eggs, you know, milk. I was drinking, eating and consuming all these things that I never realized were harming me because I never would go long enough without them to see how, how well I might feel. Um, and that's usually the case with people. They just don't ever give them up long enough before they can make that connection that, hmm, these things are causing me problems. Mm hmm. So let's say, okay, people will hypothetically, they stop 
eating or ingesting things that might cause them problems. How long, I mean, if you look at a calendar and I'm sure people ask you, they say, Dr. Beard, when will my gut health be restored? How long does it take to restore it? And that, that again, you know, very, very individual. Um, I will tell you though, if you consume a food that you know you have an intolerance or a sensitivity to, it can take up to three months before that that inflammatory response resolves. Wait, what? Three yes, months? It can. Um, you know, oh. of course that that's probably the, the the longer end of it. Right. Some people may only experience it for you know a couple of weeks. That's usually mine. Is I can if I eat a, eat some gluten. I, I, it's going to be with me for a few weeks. Wow. The of it. Um, and so, but it, some people are more sensitive than others. And so it could last up to three months for them, depending also how much you consume at one time as well. But, you know, we can, you know, I tell people that the, um, gut, um, remodeling process or renovation process is not a quick one and you don't want to do it too quickly anyway. Um, you can start feeling better quickly. That, that is something that we see. This happens all the time in my practice. We'll put people on the program and just within a week or two, for some, it's dramatic. They're like, oh my goodness, I feel so much better. For others, it takes longer. And we now, and research is now showing that it can take a year, a year and a half before you can completely, you know, ch- renovate your microbiome to one that is, quote, optimal. What's your philosophy then on? prebiotics? I think those are probably uh, more important than the probiotics. Everybody wants to get hung up on on taking their probiotic every day. You know, if you're eating fermented foods, um, that's great. You're you're seeding your gut with um, the beneficial bacteria. Then it's all about feeding those bacteria the fuel that they need to to survive and thrive. And that's where fiber and a lot of other nutrients come into play. So you don't need to be taking probiotics every day if you are um, maintaining and being really good to the microbiome that is already there. So you don't have to be a slave to everything, you know, trying to take everything. Now, when you talk about the fermented foods, it's not just the sauerkraut at the grocery store. It's like the Bubby's sauerkraut, right? Yes. A lot of sauerkraut um, is devoid of any... Uh, so sauerkraut. You almost said sauerkraut. I heard that. <laughs> it's um, it's just vinegar-based. Um, so yeah, Bubby's is a brand that I like because it it's truly is fermented. Um, and that, that, that goes, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, pickled vegetables and things that, um, were normally fermented, but they stopped doing that. So what's the process? What's the difference? Um, one uses actually a bacteria strain to give you that tartness. Oh, the others just use vinegar. Is it like the sourdough bread where there's the starter or the mother? Correct. Is that the same thing with this? bacteria that you need to make your own fermented vegetables? Like, would I have to go to my neighbor and get some of hers so I could have it? Yeah, you can get, you can get, there's starter kits that you can get online and then you get, or you can get some from your friends. But you would have to get it from a host, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Because that's the difference in, I think, people realizing, then, then you realize this is the real deal. I tried the sourdough 
Have you done ever done sourdough bread? It has gluten in it, right? Yeah, Paul is making some right now. Um, he's fermenting a sourdough mix, and every day he checks it, and it's getting. Le- you can tell that it is um, alleviating a lot of the gluten every day. It's less and less stringy and with less structure because that's okay, what. Well, gluten I'm glad you said that because my husband, who's gluten sensitive, says when he has sourdough, he's not bothered. And that's a lot. That's the case with a lot of people. Okay. And we've wondered, so I tried the sourdough starter. Girl, I almost had to quit my job. I had to come in twice a day and feed it. (laughs) And I had to call the neighbors and ask them to go feed my bread one day. That's when I realized it's gotten out of hand. So I I said, forget it. I let her die. We actually, um, our survived our trip to Colorado. Don't know how. For two or three weeks? We were gone for um, almost six weeks. Oh, six six weeks. Paul came back and rejuvenated it somehow, and it's going, it's 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 back to where it was. Well, let me tell you, don't tell DHS because they'll come and try to get anything from you, including your sourdough children. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I abandoned that whole sourdough pursuit and I know people love it, but it's a lot of work, but that makes sense. Now you're, cause I thought my husband was just trying to eat gluten by calling it sourdough. And he says, no, I promise I am not bothered. I, his is um, nasopharyngeal. If he has gluten, like when we're empty nesters now, but when my kids were home, they'd go, dad, <laughs> we know where you've been. It's like he had some kind of drinking problem. No, he had been to David's Burgers and had the bun. And oh, then, wow. <clears throat> yeah. We all suffered. Yeah, that that's what we would say. We're suffering because you, because you're clearing your throat. Okay, so um, how, then omega threes do they help with something in the gut lining? It's it's more of um, the way that they can dampen the immune response, and it's also in it in this in the cells also need these omega three fatty acids. They do wonderful things for our cells, including the intestinal cells and the cells that line your, you know, line the intestine, um, all of your cells. So you need to be, you have to put, you've got to remove the bad and put in the good. Well, how do you know you've gotten to that point? Like I've been doing, so in, um, after Memorial Day, you had a podcast and it was all about detoxing. And so I did all that. And then I reintroduced. So have I arrived? Like, did I, do you have to spend a certain amount of time? You're talking about rehabbing your, your GI tract? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a process and I, it's, and everybody, you know, um, it's kind of everybody's standards are different. You know, um, I would say if you are, um, if a lot of your chronic nagging issues have subsided and you're feeling energetic and you're sleeping well and you're waking up with energy, then I'm, then you're probably in a good place. Okay, good. Just eliminating some of those things immediately made the difference. I mean, it's pretty yeah. immediate. And I even posted this recently. I didn't know rice could be an offender, but sometimes if I have rice... I'm like, white rice. I thought that was a staple in everybody's diet. So there are certain things you have to part with that 
RIP. I mean, you're kind of sad about. Um, and there could be different phases and stages in your life where this food might aggravate you more so than it has in the past and vice versa. And sometimes I wonder if that's not just more of a, it, there could be other things going on in your life that are impacting your GI tract, whether it's stress levels, lack of restorative sleep. Um, you might have what we call, you know, referred to as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which would love that rice, by the way. Oh, uh, so that's SIBO? Yeah. Now, wh- why is that a new term? Tell me, explain to me the genesis of it. So SIBO, like I said, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, it really refers to a couple of different things. There has been, um, it's a, there's an overpopulation per se of bacteria that are supposed to reside in your small intestine and it's kind of just gotten out of control. And then, um, or there has been a migration of the Um, inhabitants of your colon that have kind of migrated up into that small intestine where they really shouldn't be. And so both of those things kind of encompass small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, are there, because everybody that sees a physician, the first thing they say is what test are you going to run? So are are there diagnostic tests to back up the progression of gut health? There are I, there are a number of different types of um, comprehensive stool studies that I find to be valuable after you have given it your best shot at trying to rehab your gut. I don't need these tests right off the bat when you're drinking Diet Cokes, your stress is off the charts, you're eating processed foods. I'm not going to learn anything from your your comp, your stool analysis. It's going to be bad. <laughs> um, so we're we're. And then there's other things like uh, there's the food sensitivity panels that are very popular with people that can often provide a lot of false positives. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask what you thought about those. Yeah. I I don't like doing those from the get-go. I will do those after we've spent some time rehabbing your gut. And if you still think you're having issues with some kind of rare food, then we might test for it. But otherwise, if you're if you're doing this while you're still having significant GI issues and you're still eating whatever you want, you're going to get false positives. And these tests come back, and it looks like you have an, have a sensitivity to everything because you have a leaky gut, you know, and that's what it's picking up on. Now, how how did we get into a leaky gut generation? Like, did our grandparents have leaky guts? Um, probably not to the extent that we are. You know, a lot of things have changed since the times of our grandparents. Um, mo- the modern world has pro- has proven to not be that kind to us with regards to our health. And you can just look around and see all the statistics and, and come to that conclusion. I think a lot a lot of it is definitely diet related, um, and we've also become um, a population that likes to run to the doctor anytime we have a sniffle. And then we get, a, of course, a round of antibiotics, and that's not going to be good for your gut health. Um, and so we've, we've, we've become dependent upon uh, pharmaceuticals and, and uh, convenience. Convenience is killing us, especially when it comes to our diet. And then you throw in all, all the other kinds of environmental exposures. We live in a very toxic world now. Um, you know. And so there's, there's a lot of things at play here, a lot. Well, the thing about antibiotics, um, 
which I've hated for just so long, but I did just see a study. I saw it this week. I don't know how old it is. And it said that one or two rounds of antibiotics are major contributors to depression and anxiety. Yeah. Had no idea because I knew gut. That's why I've always protected myself was um, just because of my gut. I didn't want to take them. But now I think my mental health, I don't want to take them. Of course, unless I have to. I mean. Yeah. And and there's a couple of ways that that's that's causing that depression. One, it is impacting your gut health. And we know that the gut is really, a lot of people refer to it as the second brain. Right. Um, Those gut inhabitants, the microbiome are constantly communicating um, with your body and especially your brain, the metabolites that um, they create. And that, and we know that that can contribute to um, your mood via whether it's you have a lot of inflammation in your body, that's going to impact the brain and your mood, serotonin levels, um, other neurotransmitters as well. And then, you know, antibiotics, we know they just, they, they cause harm to the gut microbiome. We always inquire about antibiotic usage in our patients because we often see that it was th- these things were used prior to the onset of a lot of issues that start to to develop because the the your your gut comprises a large large portion of your immune system wow so many of our chronic diseases can be traced back whether directly or indirectly back to what's going on in your gi tract so is when we talk about the gut health, does this mean that people should see a gastroenterologist for this? Or is this something that's why functional medicine is the only one that is addressing gut health? The functional medicine physicians and the organization and the principals are really on the forefront of this. Um, I, of course, you know, having the issues I had with my GI tract, I saw multiple GI specialists and colorectal surgeons. And not one of them ever mentioned the word GI microbiome. Not one. And your microbiome is where things inhabit and live. It's where it's at. You it's where have it's at. About, we all we we have about three to five pounds of bacteria residing in our colon at one time. We are made up of more bacterial DNA than we are human DNA by a factor of 10. Wow. So this is why we want our kids to dig in the dirt, right? There are things from the earth. And it's, and these bacteria don't just reside in your colon. They also reside on your skin, in your, in your lungs, your urogenital tract, on your eyes, your sinus cavities. They're everywhere and they're doing really, really good things for your body. So this whole um, thing about ger- fighting germs, no, we those germs are there for a reason. They're protecting us. It's only when they become out of balance um, is when they can start causing problems and your immune system goes awry because of it, because they are, because they are your immune system. Right. Well, I, I know the answer to this, but Dr. Beard, tell me how many, uh, containers of Clorox wipes did you buy during the pandemic? I did not buy any. I didn't um, either. <laughs> I, I don't. And I, won't. I, I don't. I, try, I have really made a, a big effort to reduce the amount of chemicals I'm exposed to. 
Yeah, that's hard. And I don't freak out about dirt or germs or bacteria. I know these things are here to help us. We've lived, we have developed these symbiotic relationships with these microbes over thousands of years. And now all of a sudden we were trying to get rid of all of them. It doesn't make any sense. So the other day I was watching my granddaughter play in the dirt and then she re- literally was digging her finger in the dirt. It felt good. You know, dirt's cool. It's soothing. And then I noticed that she had her fingers in her mouth. There was a part of me, the 2010 Lisa would have freaked out. Did the 2020 Lisa said, go ahead and have another scoop. <laughs> now, they don't have a dog or anything because I don't, obviously, dog right. feces, we'd want to stay away from. Right. But there really is something beneficial That's why I was saying, using that as a reference about digging in the dirt, and it's okay if you ingest it. It it really is. We've become such clean freaks. You know, and I'm not saying you need to dig around in the the litter box, but it's okay if you get a little, you know, if your, your fruit had a little bit of dirt on it. Right. That's that's not going to it's probably going to be harmless and you'll probably benefit from it and you'll get extra minerals and things like that. Um, The. I, it's, um, yeah, don't be scared of the dirt. Let your kids get dirty. Yeah. yeah. Now about chemicals, that's been my other goal for 2020. I've been trying to reduce. I started with the washing powder and I've gotten rid of dryer sheets, but this one's tough. What, what do you do for toxin exposure or try, how do you try to limit it? You know, I try to be very, I'm very pragmatic. There is no way that we can get away from everything that's going to harm, you know, harm us. We'd have to go live in the middle of nowhere in a tent and make our own clothes and stuff like that. Um, I just I'm cognizant about the health and beauty products that I use in my body. I try to go as natural as possible with those. Um, we use fil- a filtration system for our water. We like to get rid of the chlorine and the right. fluoride and any other, you know, heavy metals or stuff that might be in there. Um, the, the same thing goes for our washing, you know, the things we wash our clothes in and the things that we use to clean um, the home and even our pet products and the things that we use outside in our lawn and on our garden. We go as natural as possible really hard. It's that's to me a very challenging component of trying to live a healthier life because of I'm just sitting in a bedroom now that has carpet. You know, what did they put on the cart? What that the fabric protectant that yeah. you used uh, on the sofa that I have, you know, it's the fire retardant and things like that, just the chemical. So and usually if you let those things kind of air out, um it can, you know, let let the off gassing occur. Um, that can, you know, mediate some of the, some of the issues with those things. But there is something called um, toxicant induced loss of tolerance called tilt for short. And it's something that we see in people who um, move into newly renovated or new homes because the, the toxin exposures can be overwhelming and you'll see a lot of people start developing a lot of, a lot of issues. Well, how do you avoid that or how is, how do you reverse that? That that's tough. You have to, um, you know, I, I tell people to let that let the um, the home air out. Open those windows. Um, there's going to be some off gassing that occurs with any of those new types of products. Let it off gas as much as possible. But you know, uh, it's still going to be off gassing to some extent for a while. 
Now, you mentioned glutathione. Tell me about glutathione's role in our health. It's a, it's a major antioxidant, um, and it helps with, quote, you know, um, making harmful things that you're exposed to less harmful. Oh, it's okay. it's a very powerful antioxidant, and um, you know there's a lot of glutathione supplements that are out there on the market. Some are some are good, some aren't. But it's all about um, regenerating your glutathione. Um, you can do that just by the foods that you eat. Wait, do we produce glutathione? Yes, we can produce oh. glutathione if we're giving if we, we if we're giving our bodies the nutrients that we know help regenerate it. Now, so another thing you really talk about, two other components, uh, one stress and one sleep. Now, stress is is difficult to measure or weigh or quantify, you know, because some stress is good. Stress is... Yeah, you need some. Yeah, right. What gets us out of bed in the morning is we need to do this, you know, things. And how do you know when it's gone too far? Like you said, that's, it's, that's very difficult to determine. And when you're and this is something we we need to touch on too is that when you're chronically ill you don't deal with stress well you know but when you're feeling better and you've had a nice rest you don't the 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 um the if the toilet overruns or there's a leak it doesn't get you all frustrated but if you're feeling okay. bad those things will just oh you know it's just too much. So everybody has their own way of, uh, I guess, quantifying their stress. For me, it's when I lose my happiness and I feel very anxious. And um, for me, you know, I, I can't concentrate as well or my sleep might be a little off. That's when I know my stress is probably getting the best of me and it's time to take some measures before it gets worse. And so what does that mean you do? I, I take a hard look, some, some introspection. What am I doing wrong? And it's usually, um, for one, it's I haven't been eating like I should, which can also aggravate the whole fight or flight um, mechanisms. Um, I'm staying, I'm on social media too much. Oh, yeah, definitely. That, for me, is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. That, that if, if I can just get away from social media for a while, um, that often helps my stress levels. Yeah, it lightens our loads for sure. Now, what's your thought or, or should be our concern with cortisol? Like, it's the same thing. Don't we need cortisol, but too much makes us have a belly? Well, you, well, you have to have some, okay? A, a little stress is good. But when um, your your body is pumping this stuff out all the time, not good because it's going to interfere with your your gut function and your it's going to in your microbiome um your gut motility and digestive enzyme activity it's going to it's going to affect the way your thyroid hormone works which and, and then it's going to also impact the, your hormonal balance your your immune system it, it affects everything so it's all about just keeping this the uh, adrenal function optim at an optimal um uh, what am I trying to say? Functioning optimally. And we, there's ways that you can test your cortisol levels. Um, and so I like to do that with a lot of patients who just don't know, even though I can probably take a good guess at what it, their curves are going to look like. Um, we still sometimes want to know exactly what's going on with, with those adrenal functions because uh, it's good to show the patient sometimes. So the adrenals are the ones that are 
on top of your kidneys and they're teeny tiny, right? Yeah, they're these little organs that sit atop your kidneys and um, they secrete adrenaline, cortisol, and some um, some other hormones that regulate your blood pressure and things like that. So, because uh, I wonder sometimes when people have adrenal fatigue or adrenal stress or whatever that term would be, do you take cortisol or do you take adrenal cortex? There's... There's a whole lot of different ways to approach it, depending on if you are secreting too much or you've reached a point where you've, quote, burned your adrenals out. And that's really what adrenal fatigue is. Okay. These are the people that have been going 90 to nothing for a long time um, and have found themselves at a point where they just want to sleep all of the time don't have an appetite, always tired, just can't get enough rest, um, are feeling like they're going to pass out when they stand up. These people are truly the, the, the adrenally fatigued individuals. And it's not the autoimmune Cushing syndrome, right? No. It's, it's a lifestyle induced. It's often, you know, adrenal insufficiency. Okay. Well, then this next segue into sleep, you know, there was a time in the eighties, remember we were told to hit it hard every day, to be at the office, to work, work, work. And then the nineties, I think we've now gotten to the point we've come back around that, no, you need to be in bed at 10 and you need to wake up at six. Yeah. What's your opinion on sleep and how valuable it is? Um, for me, it is one of the the most important things that you can do for your body is to get quality restorative sleep on a regular basis. Uh, you can actually die from a lack of sleep. And there are people who what? have done that. There was a gentleman who, who stayed awake for 12 days straight and then died. And it's why they use, you know, sleep deprivation is used as a, as a form of torture. Yeah, sure. For a reason. Um, and so, you know, the, the issues with sleep, and we have so many patients who are having problems with sleep, and it's almost like the, the chicken or the egg. You know, it, are, you, are your chronic health issues because you can't sleep or is because, you know, um, you, you, you can't sleep and is this causing your chronic issues? Which, which is it? And so um, and there's a lot of things that contribute to poor sleep. Um, sleep hygiene is a big thing that we always go over with our with our patients, um, you know, making sure that they're not consuming caffeine in the evenings. They're they're not bombarding their retinas with this blue energizing light. We all are. We all are. Right. And, and that's something that I have to work diligently at is just turning the computers off in the evenings and not using yeah. those, you know, energy efficient bulbs all over the house either. I hate those, right? We've, we've, we've changed to the old school stuff. It's hard to find. I know. I know. The, the, if you go, you can find them. They're, you know, if you're Home Depot and, and Target are, are carrying those light bulbs. And we, we've kind of changed out all of our light bulbs, at least the ones that we use in the evening to those types of lights. Because a lot of people don't understand that that blue light is very energizing to the brain. And so you don't want to be exposing it to your retinas at a time when you're trying to calm the body down. And it, and that there, it only takes about 15 minutes of exposure to an LED light to decrease your melatonin levels by 50%. Wow. Do you, do you wear the blue light glasses? I have tried them in the past and I just not, I didn't really find that they were that valuable. They helped a little bit, 
But you know, if you're if you're on these social media apps, they're 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 also increasing your dopamine levels mm-hmm. because they were programmed to do that to keep you addicted to their use. Have you ever been on Pinterest in the evenings? It's very hard to get off of. I'm At least not that it is crafty, for me when so. I'm on, you know, I'm, on, I'm trying to find a, that perfect recipe or. Yeah, no, that's true. You do. Yeah. You go down a bunny trail and you find different things. Um, what's your opinion? Now, this is really extreme, but, you know, some people are turning off their Wi-Fi at night. We, we, we do that as well. And we make sure that our electronics are not near. I like to keep them out of the bedroom. Because of the, you know, the, the, the EMFs and things like that, that they do produce. Wow. And we're, and there's so many of them now because we have electronics all over the house. Yeah. And wireless capabilities. So. Exactly. You don't know where they're coming from. It's just something else that's been thrown at us that our bodies are having to deal with. And, 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 um, the effects might be minimal, but over time they could be significant. Yeah, I can see that. Now, what's on your list of things, of supplements? Like, are you taking hands fulls in the morning, you know, (laughs) 20 pills in the morning, 20 pills at lunch, 20 pills at night for supplements? Or do you just narrow it down to a few? I narrow it down to a few because I try to to make sure that my diet is my medicine. Yeah. You know, and there's only, you can only eat so well due to the, you know, the poor comp, the nutrient composition of our foods these days, because our, our, the way we're growing things is not conducive to high nutrient dense foods. So unfortunately I do take a multivitamin every day, um, that also has some mitochondrial immune and detox support in it. It's my own formula that I make. I take that one. Um, and then I also take, um, omega-3 fatty acids every day. And um, that's usually, now that I'm getting older, I also take collagen, which I have found that is helping my skin tremendously. Um, But we also use a lot of bone broth and things like that too. Um, But that's really, sometimes when my my GI tract is not functioning like it should because of not having most of my colon, it's it's always a battle. I will, there there are times when I will start taking digestive enzymes before my meals and probiotics. But that's usually very temporary, and then it's back to multivitamin, um, omega-3 fatty acids. And I do take vitamin D in the wintertime when I'm not getting all that sun exposure on my skin. Well, let's talk about that. So vitamin D is so important for your mental health, your physical health, uh, I mean, on and on and on. We are, and they say everybody north of the equator is deficient in it. So you're not special if you're deficient, but see people like me, I don't want to wear sunscreen because doesn't sunscreen block me from absorbing? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, we've all been told to wear sunscreen. Yes, I know. And, um, I, I try to try not to wear sunscreen either. I'll just cover up my arms where, you know, I'm the, I'm now wearing the big hats and the long sleeves. Sure. And I'm, I'm okay with that because I don't want to put all those nasty chemicals on my skin that then get right. absorbed. Um, and so, yeah, we used to get a lot more vitamin D because our, our, uh, we don't eat, you know, nobody's eating um, organ meats or wants to take cod liver oil and right. things like that. So we're taking the capsules now and they work. I, I, check, I check my levels after I've taken them and they do come up when they need to. Yeah, it's hard. You have to stay on it. 
you do. And then, you know, it's, if you can just, if there's ever a time that you can just get outside and expose your arms, you know, to, to the sun, um, that that's going to go a long way as well. How, how many minutes, 20 minutes? You know, I've heard so many different things. We were always told, you know, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour of exposure, but now I've heard that it's even more than that. Well, cause I heard it was 20 minutes at high noon. Yes. But that's also when you're likely to burn as well. Yeah. So you've just got to find that sweet spot. I tend to go out. I, I don't like to do anything when it's high noon. Um, it's either early morning or, you know, late afternoon. It's too hot in Arkansas in the summer to be out at high noon. Yes. And even in Colorado, it might be cooler, but the, the UV is so intense, you can't do anything either. And so... Um, you know, I will pick a time where I'll just go out and sit with, with a, in some shorts and a t-shirt and just kind of, you know, get it in. But usually I'm not sitting. I'm usually pretty active when I'm outside. Right, right, right. Um, I have vitiligo. So the only, I mean, I protect myself, not because I'm going to burn or anything, but it makes my vitiligo more obvious because <laughs> yeah. I, I tan easily and it, the contrast is great. So, I, but like everybody else, we all have a cross to bear and I have yeah, many of them. We're just, we're not getting outside as much as we need to. I mean, especially kids. Kids are, the kids now are spending so much time indoors. It's awful. It is awful. Get your kids out. Just lock the door. That's what my mom did. She was like, (laughs) get outside, lock the door. We could only come on the front porch and she would bring out the food to us. And you turned out fine. (laughs) Well, you know, for the most part. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about, there's one thing I've never heard your opinion on this, bioidentical hormone replacement. Okay. I have become much more conservative with my prescription writing for bioidentical hormones. There is a time and place for them. Um, But I think too many women grab those first. You know, my hormones are messed up. I need some hormones. Well, let's step back a little. And why are your hormones messed up? Hormonal imbalances are usually a downstream problem of an upstream issue. And that's typically, you know, gut health related, diet, stress, thyroid function. Those are big drivers of hormonal imbalances, even toxin exposures. And so, you know, I like to work on all the upstream things first so that we can optimize your hormones and your and the way your hormones are being metabolized. Because you have to consider the production of the hormones, the transport, the cell signaling of the hormones, and the detoxification and elimination of your hormones. Those all have to be addressed to have um, for for optimal hormone um, levels and and effects. And most women are not doing that. They're just grabbing that hormone cream and slapping it on. And it might help initially, but what we see is problems start to develop because no one's addressing those upstream drivers of hormonal imbalances and and, and, problems. in, in the metabolization that is not going in the right path that it needs to. So, you know, menopausal women, uh, you know, sometimes it's necessary for a little, you know, for some, some estrogen progesterone during those times, or if you've had, um, hysterect, total hysterectomies, you're probably going to benefit from some, but we always want to use the lowest effective dose possible. Now, are you saying then for symptom relief or for your physiology? I'm saying for symptom symptom relief. Now, 
there are studies showing that, you know, women do better with some estrogen replacement as far as bone composition and and cognition and even heart health. And those are, you just have to have some discussions with your patient and go over the risks and the rewards and what is best for them. But a lot of women, if you can get them making better lifestyle choices, they don't even need the hormones. And I've seen this in a lot of my patients who are experiencing hot flashes and things like that. And they, they're, they're feeling awful and, you know, um, very snappy <laughs> with their family members and, and we'll give them uh, a pro- we'll, we'll work on all the upstream issues. But in addition to that, we might prescribe something called DIM or IC3 that we know um, really helps benefit the, the metabolization of the hormones in, in a more uh, in a in a way that's that can alleviate and and some of those problems they're having. Well, do you remember when Suzanne Summers, um, who is very public about her breast cancer and um, her non traditional uh, treatment of breast cancer. She wrote a book. It may have been about 10 years ago. I don't remember. I read it, but she, her goal, Dr. Beard, this is crazy, was to continue to menstruate till she was 70. What do you think about that? I know. I, I don't, why, why do we need to do this? Um, I don't know. I mean, who wants to do that? No, <laughs> that's, I, I don't. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure what she, where she was getting her information from about why that would be good. Um, you know, I, I think God's design is probably the best design. Right, right. And when and whenever we start messing with it is when things start kind of going crazy. Well, now all these young girls are have no periods. And then I wonder about that. I feel like they're backed up. Yeah, and um hormonal imbalances, amenorrhea, or they're having multiple, you know, periods a month or they're really heavy. You know, there's, there's a reason, there's always a reason for everything. And when you start peeling back the layers and investigating their life, then it becomes apparent about what is probably going wrong. Hmm. And it's, and it's usually diet. So much of it is diet related. It's such a big part of it, but it's not the only part. So in two minutes, what, what is your two minute elevator speech? It's a really long elevator where you're telling somebody the very things they could start doing with their diet now. And it's the sodas, the packaged foods that do you think everyone needs to get off dairy? Um, I don't think we need to be drinking milk. Um, that, that's not been the case through, throughout history. We were, um, fermenting, we were, people were typically fermenting it because that's how you kept it. Right. You know, so they were eating a lot of yogurt and making cheeses out of it. And buttermilk. And buttermilk. And, and that's the way I think we should consume dairy. I don't like the whole, the pasteurization process gets rid of a lot of the enzymes that you need to break it down like it should be. And so, you know, um, Everybody freaks out about raw milk. I love raw milk. But if you can find your, I know people that can tolerate raw milk uh, when they cannot tolerate the store-bought kind. Now, I'm not out here telling you, you just go find yourself some raw milk. You better be, better know your farmer, all right, so that they're doing everything they need to do so that you don't get sick. Um, but, you know, there is a case to be made for raw milk. But I, instead of drinking it, I, I prefer to get... You know, would rather people get their dairy from um, from yogurts and, and, and high quality cheeses. Because for bone health, we do need 
calcium and dairy would be included, correct? You Yes. I mean, calcium is, is one component of good bone health. You have to have calcium. But there's a lot of other places you can get calcium other than dairy, too, in case you have a dairy issue. Um, so, you know, it's it's dairy is fine when it's high quality and you're not consuming tons and tons of it. Um, but, you know, bone health also and osteoporosis, everybody wants to make it a, a calcium issue. It's usually an inflammation issue. Wow, that's interesting. It, it it's usually an immune an immune issue. Wow, we have so and much more to that's talk exactly about. What I discovered, Lisa, is I had the bones of a sixty year old when I was in thir- in my thirties. That's but <gasps> I, ha- I was had tons of inflammation going on. My wow. bones are much and better. Did you now. reverse that? Yes, my bones are much better now. Now that I've addressed my gut health and I've you know done all these other lifestyle um, changes uh, that have have benefited my health greatly. But you can't find genetics because you are light-eyed and blonde, right? And that doesn't that put you to higher propensity? T- supposedly, yes. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe, I mean, you're showing them. <laughs> we might need to revisit that. Yeah, that's interesting. There's so much to talk to you about, but we're out of time. Amy Beard, MD, that's the website. Uh, Dr. Amy Beard's functional medicine doctor in Arkansas. You can, because of the World Wide Web and the magic of podcasts, you can make an appointment from anywhere on the planet or any other planet if you can have good Wi-Fi <laughs> that you unplug at night. <laughs> You're Dr. Awesome, Beard, you're great. You are you are a jewel in our community. I, I I love the way you think about things, and but we're I'm crazy too. So what does that mean? <laughs> yes. No, I lo- I love you too, Lisa. And I, and uh, thanks so much for having me on. And I love love talking to you. Well, thanks. Okay, have a great day. Go get some sunshine. Will do. Thank you. Thanks for spending this time with me. If you would subscribe to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, tell a friend. And for show notes and more information, go to lisafishersaid.com. Thank you.